You think I'm nervous now? <laughs> you should have seen me about 30 minutes ago, an hour ago. But having breakfast with Roy Hooser for 30 minutes, you don't stay nervous for long. He just really <laughs> zones you out. Now, I don't know if y'all can see me back there or not, but somebody asked me yesterday, said, did you bring your little step stool with you? And I said, no, but I did go out and buy me some heels. <laughs> so, I had some higher ones that I bought, but I told Jerry, I said, I don't believe I can wear these things. I'm going to fall flat on my, you know what? So I took them back and got some shorter ones. But I, I hope y'all can see me out there on it. Well, I'm surprised when they asked me to talk here because Peggy's known me for 15, 20 years now. And I was really surprised because she knows that I can talk for an hour about my dad. And I can talk for an hour about my alcoholic, my husband. I can talk an hour about when I hit my bottom. And I can talk an hour about our recovery together. So that's four hours. Y'all want to say four hours? They didn't say we had to break for lunch, so I guess y'all did. April Fool. <laughs> Jerry says, you've got to have an April Fool's joke. I say, well, that's it, you know. So, anyway, I am proud to be here, and I am a good member, I hope, in standing of Al-Anon and High Points, two meetings or two, the Back to Lois, uh, Back to Lois, the Friends of Lois on Mondays at noon at the club, and then the Back to the Basics group on uh, Thursday nights at the Wood Wesleyan uh, Church. Anyway, uh, started my journey a long time ago with this one. <laughs> if you think his story was funny last night, mine's not. He got to have the fun. He was the one out drinking and partying and having a good time. I was the one home fretting and wringing my hands like most of But we got through it, and we're where we are. He closed last night with saying that Al-Anon and A saved our marriage. And I'm a crier. I'll tell you that right off. But that saved his life, and it also saved mine. But our marriage was uh, not much to be said for. And I'm about as nervous as I can be, but somebody's up there. You look at all those people out there, and you find one person. And you look at them, and you think, well, I'm going to picture that person start butt naked. And every time I look at them, I'll just get a smile on my face, and that'll relax me inside. And then you'll be okay. You'll get through it. So, Peggy, you're it. <laughs> every time I look at you. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm a double-dipper when it comes to AA and Al-Anon. My dad was an alcoholic. He was a violent alcoholic. Uh, I, I don't know how many times we'd come home and wake up in the morning, my mother's face would look like mush. He'd just gone off on her. Uh, my childhood memories are hiding in neighbors' closets because my dad had a shotgun. He was going to kill us all. Being put out on the road, when we'd go on furlough, we were in the Army, you know, going on furlough, going home every year, he always traveled at night, and he said that was because that was better on your car. What it really was was he didn't want anybody to see him. He would stop sometimes and put us out in the middle of the road. And just, he always came back. It might be five minutes later. It might be an hour later, but it could be the next day. But he always came back, so I guess you had to give him marks for that. You know, Sooner or later, he showed up. That's the kind of childhood that my brother and I had, and uh, it was not one that, that uh, I would wish on anybody. I can remember one time we went on furlough. I was about three years old, and that memory I can go back to, and, and it really means something to me. We were on furlough with my grandmother, and she would take us to church. When we were. And I remember in the little old country church, if you've ever been to one, they always had these pictures of families and churches on the walls that the kids could sit there. And one of them, there was a picture of a family church 
mom and a dad and their little kids running. I can see it. I can tell exactly what that woman had on and that man had on today. And I remember looking at that picture as a three-year-old, and I said, God, I know God. I just said, Mister, if I grow up, I'm going to be that one day. And I told Jerry one day, I said, you know, that's a hell of a thought for a little kid, three-year-olds to have, not when I grow up, but if I grow up. And that's the way I felt from day to day as a child. You never knew what the next day was going to bring. When his dad died, he was really upset because he got to be real close with his all the good memories you had. And I said, you don't know how, how blessed. But growing up, that's what I wanted. I never forgot that picture that I saw. And I knew growing up as a child and seeing other kids out there, you know, I'm not living a normal life. There is another way out there. I see these kids. They've got daddies that take care of them, that play with them, love them. I see their family life. So I knew there was something else out there that maybe I could get one day. And that's what I strive for. Getting up in high school, starting dating, uh, he mentioned it late, briefly last night. I didn't, uh, if we were with a group of kids and you hear the guys talking like they do, you know, bragging, we're going to meet after the game, have beers. And all. If I heard you say that, I wanted nothing to do with anybody, boy, girl, whatever, that would drink a beer, anything. I wanted nothing of that in my life. Been there, done that. That was not going to ever be in my life again because I now I was being able to make my own choices. And that was not going to be a part of it. Well, in dating, I was very, I didn't have many dates because of that, because most of the guys did want to go out and drink and all that kind of stuff. So. But my brother knew this in school, and when we moved to Kansas, and uh, he liked him. And he said, you've just got to meet this guy. You, just, you know, go have a Coke with him or something like that, and you get to know him. I think you're really going to like him. Oh, God, your brother's setting you up with a date. How, you know, how's that going to be? But I did go out with him, and it wasn't long before I, I knew what my brother was talking about. There was something special about him. Now, when I first met him in school before this time, arrogant. You ever seen a guy walking down the hall that's got that little strut about him? You know, I just want to pop him one, you know. He just, <laughs> something about him, it just, oh, mm. But when my brother started talking about him and talked me into him, I thought, well, maybe I'm just going on. I, I did date him, and, and we did, uh, eventually, we just fell in love. Nothing was ever said about it. Nothing was ever mentioned about marriage. We just, it just happened. But when our dads were going to retire, it turned out they were both retiring. And up until that time in dating, we never talked about, where are you from? We just never talked about that until we found out our dads were seriously going to retire. So we thought, well, we're going to go back to Alabama. Well, where are you going in Alabama? We're going to Ozark. I'm going to New Brockton. Guess what? 20 miles apart. We'd, when we sit back and we thought about things we did as children when we'd go home with our grandparents, we did things probably at the same time with the same group of people. And our, our grandpas probably went to the same farmer's market all these years. So we must have crossed paths during that time, but we never, never met. He always said I chased him all around the world because he's been in Germany. I've been to Japan and all across the country with the Army. Chased him all around the country and ended up in Kansas. And I wouldn't let him go, so he had to marry me. So <laughs> anyway... We did. We both uh, decided, you know, we're going to get married. But anyway, when it got to that point, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to bring him home. He's kind of meet me at the door type thing so far, and he knew a little bit about what was going on, but he had not been exposed. And I knew there was no way to not have that happen. And when we moved back to Alabama, I knew, you know, he's going to be around the family a lot more when my dad retired. So I, 
I've just got to bite the bullet and have them over. So my brother and I got together, and we thought, man, my daddy was a DI, a drill instructor. So we knew exactly what time he'd come day. Every day, 4.30 on the dot, he was home. Okay, my mama got into it. said, 4.30, we'll give him 15 minutes. Jury, you'd be there right on the dot. Didn't tell him what was going on because I thought nothing's going to happen. If we can time it just right, Daddy have just enough time to get home, eat dinner, and we'll be gone. Then Daddy can drink all he wants to. But he won't have enough time if we don't do it. Daddy got home about 4.30. He goes upstairs. Jerry comes over. We get the table set. We're ready to go out there. Daddy comes downstairs. Of course, he'd got a good start on it before he even hit the door. I thought, oh, my Lord, what now? We sit down at the table. Now, Jerry was a religious guy. That was one. Okay, and well, my daddy knew that's where we were. So, in honor of this very religious person, I think we need to have prayer. I think we're going to bless this food. Bow your heads. God, we thank you for the people we're going to eat. God, we thank you for all. He blessed every dish on that table. <laughs> Every fork, every spoon, everybody, everything. This went on for, it felt like forever. Couldn't have been long, but I thought, oh, God. And in my, in my heart, I'm thinking, this is it. He's going to get up, and he's going to I forgot I had to do something for my mama. I'm going to go take care of them. That's, I knew that's what was going to happen. I just, I'm sitting there, and my head's bowed, and I just start crying. <laughs> I'll cry again at this part. And in that one moment, I knew 100% unconditional. He had seen it. It didn't matter to him. He wasn't taking offense at anything. It was his way of saying, it's a... I wish that for anybody. You can hold on to it. It's like, I had that one time. And that's what got me through. Well, the next 20 years, we got married and, and career and all that. And the next 20, 20 nights. I really didn't know about the drinking. He, he kept that from me because he knew. And at that young age, before we started together, that glue us together, our kids and, and our life together, before we got to that point, if I had known about him drinking, I probably would have left. I just had no tolerance, zero tolerance. And he knew that, so I think that's well. There were absolutely no clue. But then toward the end of that 20-something year, Chicago to Texas and all that, there were times we would have pain or... We would have to be expected to go to different functions. And I remember telling him one time this. <clears throat> We'd gone to a party, a garden party with one of his bosses, and they were all the big shots were there, and they were having liquor was freely, and everybody was getting snot drunk. And it was hot. It was June, July, hot weather, and everybody, the liquor was just really going to. And it turned out that three of his bosses got so drunk, he had to carry So I stayed there with the wine. On the way home that day, I said, I'm just so proud of you. <laughs> I'm so proud of the way you can drink and hold your liquor. <laughs> oh, ten years from that, you know, I've got that word out of my mouth. I don't know. But at the time, I thought, he really important. He wasn't slobbering, falling down drunk. In fact, one of the ladies down the road in the Al-Anon and AA, one of the Al-Anoners was his bartender in his payday of drinking in high form. And uh, she came up to him one day, and she said, are you Jerry's wife? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, I want you to know he was the classiest drunk I ever served. <laughs> said he'd come in there at lunch. He'd be, you know, he'd kill off a fifth of scotch, walk out there, his tie still be straight. He'd be drunk. 
I said, yes, he was. Got him out of a lot of stuff. But because of that, all those years, when it did start sneaking in a little bit into our lives, and I'd let my guard down, and I'd say, okay. I would convince myself that he was right. I had the problem. It was my attitude toward my dad, my feelings about that, and the way I was brought up. That's what was coloring my off. You know, and I had to change that because we were sophisticated people, and they didn't see it that way. They drank, and everything was just fine. They, they must know a lot more than me. So I thought, you know, for a while, I think, he's right. I'm wrong. I've got, to, I've got to grow up here. Well, then things would happen, and then I'd tell him, you know, he is not right. I do not approve this. I don't want this, and I have a right not to do that. Now, this was pre on nine days, but I knew then I did not. I guess it was a sawyer coming out of me. I didn't want it, and I wasn't going to do it. We'd go back and forth like that for a long time. And I think uh, most of the time I was looking for my dad. I was looking for him to come home and get so angry that he'd start beating me or the kids. And I was looking for the man that would take his paycheck, and he'd be going, you know, if he's dead, life, whatever. The Army couldn't find him, you know. That's where my dad was. They couldn't find him. He didn't do that. He'd come home, give me, you know, I knew I had I control of the money. He didn't. I was looking for the man that was because he spent it all on booze. Well, his was paid by expense accounts. <laughs> you know, I didn't see any signs that I, if I'd seen that, I would have said, uh-huh, went on. But there were none of those signs. So my guard was really let down over the time. There was really nothing to... But when it started getting toward the end and, and things were starting to hit the fan, my weapon of choice as an Allen honor was silence. If I clammed up and went and talked to him, that would drive him wall. He likes to communicate, and he likes to talk, and he wants you to, to participate with this. And when I wouldn't talk with him, I knew I was pushing his butt for them. Well, I'll tell you what, today my weapon of choice, I just got certified to carry. <laughs> I passed my test. <laughs> he said, one of his sponsors said, I can't believe you let her get a permit for that. I, he said, well, I wouldn't have 20 years ago, but today she won't do it. She did it. So I told him, I said, well, today when we get in an argument or something ain't going on, all i got to do is that, and he kind of shuts up. <laughs> so <laughs> it works. <laughs> oh, we've had a lot of fun with that. He said, I can, I'm, I've always been deathly against guns. No guns in my house, no guns in my car, no guns where I work. If I have to have a gun where I live and where I work, I better change where I'm living and where I'm working. That's always been my attitude. But we had an incident in our house. We got a lot of glass windows in our house. And when he was out of town not long ago, <laughs> quit laughing, uh, our alarm went off about 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, we've got security lights around the house, and we've got motion detectors in the yard. So if anybody even starts down my drive, the lights come on, that first sign. Well, no, my first sign, I'm a beagle dog. We've got two beagle dogs. So when they start, I know somebody's coming about three miles down the road. I know when they start down that road. So when the security phone rang and I answered, and he said, you think everything's okay? I said, well, my dogs aren't barking. That's one thing. None of my lights are on in the yard. That's enough. I don't think anything's here. But stay on the phone and let me walk around the house just to be sure. Well, they did. Well, I put down the phone and I thought, there's something out there. Maybe, maybe they're smart enough to poison my dogs. Maybe they're smart enough to turn the you know, clip the wires out there. Maybe, I'm, I don't know, what's, what would I do? 
So I, I knew he had a shotgun that he had gotten from his dad that he had had in the closet. It's not loaded, and it probably don't even work. It's been in there about 30 years, just stuck in the back. But I knew where it was, so I went and got it. Here I made my neck out. And I'm, I thought, okay, I'll just scare the out of him. So I get, I turn every light in my house on, and I get that gun, and I walk into every door and every one, and I said, I've got a gun, and I'm not afraid to use it. And Jerry says, well, what would you have done if somebody popped up and said, yeah? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know about that. But he's, anyway, I thought, you know, maybe it's time for me to change my attitude on that, too. So anyway, I, I did. A group of girls, girls, one here, and we had a good time with it. So I, I felt a proud of accomplishment on my own. Anyway, we did that. Um, I got a call in our office, with, and I got a call one day from, uh, he came, and they sat down, and I found that my house had been under surveillance for two weeks. Uh, why did they put your house under surveillance? They said, do you think <coughs> uh, you can get home? I will. By now, I was getting real cooperative, because I was getting a little antsy, what, you know, why? So we get them, and we go, and we get down there, and like he said, if you ever get invited to come to the, you don't want to do that. One of you ain't leaving. <laughs> and thank God I got to go this time. But <clears throat> turned out to be pretty serious. Life plus 20, like he said. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. This really knocked the socks out of me because I, I had no idea what had happened. He didn't know what had happened. And it took me a long time to believe that. But there are lots of chunks of our life he has no of. We'll be doing things and we'll be talking about the memories we had here. If you were. So blackouts, for any of you new Allen honors out there, blackouts are real. And as funny as they are sometimes, they're also a person because they don't know what they did. They don't understand what happened in that period of time. And I can just imagine what a terrifying thing to have a chunk of your life that you don't know what you did. And they tell you these things. And he went and he met a man. And his sponsor told him that and I said, so he comes home and he tells me, he said, they told me there was a, a thing for you. He said, you were supposed to go with me tomorrow night. <clears throat> Any of you Allen owners know what my first thought was? Wait a minute here. I don't drink. I didn't get called by the police. I didn't do that. Why am I having to go? That was my first attitude. So it took a little bit of convincing for me to understand why I was there. And I, I'll get to the first meeting. And we get there at the police department. And I'm already, my mind just going, what is he doing? And they ended up letting me, he, I could go home to make bail. The police officers were very nice to say that about it, very nice. He knew I was scared to death. You think I'm shaking now? You should have seen me that day. <laughs> so he says, well, honey, to come in this. And you got a bank department, yeah. You go there and you pull these papers out and you take them and he, you got a bill. No, I don't know Bell's bondsman. All right, he gave me his name, how to get hold of. He was very helpful to what I had to do because I had an hour and a half to get this done if I was going to get him out of jail that night. And I knew I had to do that. I could. So I'm on my way to go get that. <laughs> he had that little, he was standing at lunch, Aunt told it last night, but he had a little X19 Fiat. I hated that car because nobody could drive it but him. It was one of those you had to lay into it, and it was built for his long legs, not mine. Well, that's what we drove over there because he drove. So now I'm thinking, I've got to drive that thing all the way home. How am I going to do that? So I get in there, and I have to see this. 
I'm trying to put my foot on the gas and the brake down there, and the gear is away back here, and I'm almost laying down there trying to look over. It was, it was a real, I can't imagine what people saw me trying to get that car going, must have thought. But I finally get it cranked, and I'd driven a stick shift before, so I knew how to do it. But this is not the normal position you do it in. So it's going like this all the way. I get out of the driveway, the, the police, and you can turn the corner, and if you make it just right, there's a stop right there. But if you, if you time it right, you don't have to stop. You can just slide around that corner. And that's what I was hoping I'd do, so I wanted to change that gear again. When I'm getting down there, and I'm looking at that light, and I'm taking that turn, and I, turn, I look up there, and oh, my. Six police cars inside. Doors open, guns drawn. I thought, oh, God, <laughs> what else? They said, lady, put your hands on the steering wheel. Don't make a move. I thought, I ain't. So anyway, he makes a few calls. He says, would you mind stepping out? And I got out. I said, let me, I said, just wait a minute. You've had my house under surveillance two weeks, and you couldn't find him. You had his office staked out. You couldn't find him there. You found my office. You found where I live. You found where I worked. You talked to me, and I brought him to you. He's right up there in room 2B. Go get him. <laughs> oh, God. And they find me. They go, yeah, I'm sorry, lady. So, and I said, I can't drive this car. If you want to give me a ticket, that's fine. But I have got, to, I got 35 minutes to get to, to Jamestown and get all the stuff I need to get him out of jail. They just kind of backed off. I think they knew, don't mess with her today. <laughs> so we did it. We did. We get home that night, and we had to explain to our kids make that phone call to his parents and my parents, let them know what was going on. Now, these kids had never, ever, ever, ever seen their daddy take a drink. Never. To go home and explain this to, their, to them about their dad, this was a hard thing to do. They had no comprehension. I mean, they just kind of looked at you with this dumb look. What are you talking about? This is not dad. And we tried our best to explain what was going to be happening, what they could expect, and be really gut-level honest with them because we knew we had a daughter in high school, and how we knew what the kids were going to be. And we thought, it's going to be all in the papers come. And it was. A little piece about like that. But to me, it was like this. You know, everybody in the world knew this. was. But there was a lot of things they had to pay a price for things that he did and that I did not do. And that was very difficult. He had a lot of remorse about putting them through. He tells me that night that there's a meeting for me to go to. Baptist men have Baptist women. The Lions Club have ladies auxiliary. I guess that's what the Al-Anon people do. They bake cakes and have money raisers to support the guy. I'll go. I'll listen. But, you know, I don't have much to do with that. We get there. Now, I've gone to to work on a certain road every day, and I'd pass this little old white house. I mean, a little dinky white house had a blood-red door, about the color of your shirt. And that's the first thing you saw when you turned that corner, was that house with that red door. And I don't care what time of day you went by there, there were cars in the front yard, cars on the side, cars in the back, everywhere. And I, I thought for years, he thought it was gambling, I thought it was house, you know, your repute. A lot of stuff going on in that little house. Had to be all that activity. So he pulls up that night to the clubhouse of AA, the little red-doored house. That's what it was. I guess the door was painted red so everybody could find it. But that's what it was. And that little old house came than any place in this world. It stinks 
from tobacco smoke. I mean, you could hardly breathe in that place at the time. People had thrown up in there. I mean, you can imagine an old clubhouse. Had been around. It was just a mess. But my heart is in that place. I've often thought today, I wish somebody that had money, Roy, would buy that old house and preserve it and let us old-timers from time to time just go in there and sit and get our hearts back right. I had, I had such good memories. But the first time I walked into that meeting, Betty was sitting in there and Peggy was in there and uh, Kathleen, there's about five of them sitting down front. And I walked in there. Now, all this stuff is going on at my home. And I walked in there and they were laughing and telling jokes. And one lady, one of our girls, Jane, had this infectious laugh. I mean, she laughed. She filled up that heart. I mean, she was laughing and telling jokes. And I think to myself, they don't have a clue. They don't know what living with an alcoholic is all about. Or they wouldn't be laughing. There is nothing funny about it. It wasn't funny when I grew up with it. Ain't funny now that it's hit my house. They don't know. This is not a place for me. But I think... Peggy and them could see that I was having a little bit of confusion and not quite sure what I was doing there. So they kind of took me under their wings, and they loved on me for a while. For about six months, I started to understand it's, it's a program for me, not for the alcoholic, but what I was going to be able to get. So we both tried to work our program as best we could for about a year or so. Lo and behold, my world fell apart again. As he said, he got into a little bit of trouble when he's in sobriety. And I'd always thought, like most Allen honors, if I can just get him sober, I won't have these problems. This won't be anymore. This won't happen anymore. And I found out a very valuable lesson that most of us have to learn. You can take the alcohol out of an alcoholic, but you're still left with all those little and every one of you got them. Might be lying for some, cheating for some, stealing for some. Others are just a big you-know-what. But you all got them. And unless we learn how to deal with those things, you don't get any better. And it's the same thing for an hour. When we come in, we think, there's nothing wrong. I'm not sick. I didn't do these things. I didn't get in trouble. Until you start looking. And then you can see there's a lot going on there. You have to own up to that. Betty and Peggy always tell me it's an inside We went to some counseling with our children there, but at this particular time, it was about six months' worth of it. Then I thought things were bad before, but I mean it really. I had three issues going on in that time that I think either one of them would have And it took a lot for him and I both to get through with God one Sunday afternoon. If you don't take care of this, if you don't take care of this, I'm going to have to. Guns or pills or whatever, I'm going to have to solve my problem. Well, I didn't have either one. <laughs> didn't have a gun, didn't have pills, so I didn't know what I was talking about, but I knew the pain was so bad I couldn't, couldn't take it. And so time went on that day, and I laid down, and I finally just, I guess, passed out from exhaustion. And when I woke up, it took me a while to realize there was something. And what it was was I'd been sitting there reading my, my old dad book, and that's what I did a lot of times. So my mind would just get going, going, going. I'd just sit down and read. I couldn't tell you what I read, but I'd read to keep my mind occupied, keep it, slow it down a little bit. And what I was discovering was I could read. That was a big deal because my mind was one of those all the time. Going. 
So that was God starting to work for me, slowing me down, letting me calm down. We had taken my daughter because of some issues she had to a therapist, and I liked the way the lady did Want your typical therapist. I think I fed her. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to go. He and I both went together. One to Brenda on about the third visit. She said, you can come to me every day. That's my job, and I'd love to talk to you. I'll be glad to take your money every day. But bottom line, I can't do anything for you. And that little book you've got in your hand and all the tools that that program has has got everything you need. But it's like everything else. You, I'll give you some guidelines. But you, She was a great believer, and that's what attracted me to her because I've always liked to do this, of writing things down. A pad and a good old number two pencil. Don't think about what you're going to write. Just and said, I want you in that writing, when you look at it down the road, I want you to be able to look at it and figure out why did you fall in love with this person? Why? How did you feel? What was going on? Then in those writings, keep going, I want you to find out what happened. What changed? And then I want you to take a little blue pencil. You ever seen those little pens? That you click it and it's red and you click it and it's ground, you know? I had one of those. So I, t- I wrote everything down in blue ink, and then I took that green green part. She says, now you circled everything in that list. And by now I had two or three. She said, you go down through that and you make a list with that green pen. Everything that happened, everything that is about him and about you and about everything that can be changed. Circle it in green. Then when you get all that done, you go back and you look at everything. I'm telling you, the lady had that a lot in her. <laughs> May not have known it, but she did. And that's kind of the path that my sobriety, my sobriety, my walk with Alnon took, healed, was following that serenity prayer. I found, went back and I found the God that I'd had before when I was a little girl in that picture. I found that God back. I got that connection. I went back and I honestly looked at what was going on. I'm not talking about two or three weeks of this. This was four years. There's a thing in my book I've got, Dig, Deliberate, trying to decide what I could change. and what, A lot of things I could not change. Am I going to hold this over his head for the next 50 years? I had some good stuff, ladies. I could get anything I wanted any time. I just said, well, you remember when, and I'd had it. I mean, I had some good stuff. But I had to learn to let those things go. If you don't let it go, you're not going to grow. And I knew I didn't want to be where I was in there. I knew I could be better. I knew I could get well because I saw it in other people, what they'd been through, where they were, how they're laughing today. And I wanted that. That's why it's important for the old timers, even when your alcoholic passes and is gone, it's important to keep coming because you've got valuable information numbers need. They need to see you use this Al-Anon in every part of your life. You use it on the job. You use it everywhere. Or at least I did. So that's pretty much what I, I did for the next four years. Decide what I could do something about willing. And I, w- I was at the point that I was willing to do it and I was able to do it now because I had all the tools I needed. The miracle of the whole, that was the miracle. A lot of us that come in here house won't stay in the program. He won't get sober. He won't try. Those that come in, they might get do anything about their problems. There's a lot of little isms. They won't take care of it. They're, they're a good life for sobriety. So I try to stress with them that you have and you've got to be willing to get stuff and deal with it. You've got to deal with it or it's not going to go away. 
We have friends that every time they have a fight, remember 15, 20, every time they have a fight, they bring up things that go. You know, what's the point of that? Like I said, I had some good stuff that I could have used. But you have to, you have to decide, you got to get some good information, get some, get some new ammo to hold over them. But don't, don't dig up that old stuff. And I, I get some new ones too. Um, I got to look at my clock here because I don't wear a clock because I told my boss away. I never, I never, I can't, I can't start till I get there and I can't leave till I don't do it. Plus, I hate that clickety-clacky every time you use it. Well, when he had his 25th birthday, I wanted to give him something that he would remember. Every time he saw it or touched it or whatever, he would remember where we started. And if anybody knows anything about Jerry, <laughs> he's, I was going to say tight, but he's told me not to use that word. He's frugal. <laughs> he's money wise he's not tight but anybody knows him knows that he's going to fill his money at least three times and he'll, he'll, so I thought if anything he's going to touch at least twice a day it's going to be that money clip so I bought him a money clip and I had it engraved on there with all my love, trust and, and I gave that to him it's about worn he's looking at it now it's about worn off you can hardly because he fills with his money so much but I wanted him to know that he's earned that love back. We're back now where we were 48 years ago. He's earned all my respect back. I didn't have any respect for this man as a man, as my husband, as a father of my children. There was zero respect. I wanted that respect back. I wanted to be proud to be Miss Ann. When somebody said, are you Jerry's wife? I want to say, yes, rather than, oh, yes. <laughs> you know? And I've done that for a long time. Well, what has he done? I don't know if I am or not. Uh, so I wanted that back. I just wanted it back. It was important. And as far as the trust, I'm one of those, if I'd asked him what time it was, and he had told me, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I'd have looked at the clock because I just didn't believe it. He could lie at a drop of a hat and make up stories. We went to Texas one time, and, Driving down through, was going from one part to the other. Long horns. They eat those things. It's full of calcium, and the more they eat, the longer. You don't get told a tale like that and repeat it to a true Texan, because they'll look at you like you're stupid. That ain't true. <laughs> but he would do stuff like that. But he he would like the drop of a hat. But when we had our first blowout, and we was really having to decide, we're going to stick and try to find something to solve this marriage. One of my sponsors, Betty, and uh, was at her house, and we were back and forth talking. You've got to decide what it is that you want to do, but you've got two children. And she's big on saying, when you know, but you've got two kids, you've got to think about them. And at this time, they were both going through their own. And I knew she was right. I had to stay there and, and let them get through that. And then my daughter was going to graduate. Then my son was going to graduate. Had to then my daughter was going to get married. I couldn't leave on that. I had to stay and watch her. Then my stepfather had a major had a heart attack, heart attack when he went up to the care of that. So, in a four-year period of time, God took things and places and even in our life, painful as they were, because we had to stay there. We didn't have the choice to make. I always thought what my grandmother used to say: "You're your bed now. You lie in it," and that's what I think God was saying. You decided on this marriage, and that's what we did for that time. And I can't tell you what a blessing it was. I hate that people have. I don't know two kids that respect their dad more. Kids, 
I worked for my daughter today, and it's just been a joy to watch. But she had the sense to walk out, and that was... But I, when I work with her now, it's a few days a week, and she travels all over the country with uh, work shows that she does, colleges. And when she's gone, I get to stay with my grandma. So it's been, it's been a wonderful trip. But Al-Anon really did literally save our life physically, and for that I'd be forever grateful. And if I had to understand what it's really taken.